The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Naked Pine. Naked Pine. M I P. With Masamela Matsumal. Mark Thompson. Naked Pine. Get woke. Everyone, you know what today is. It's Thursday Coast. You know what that means. We get to talk to the founder, not only of the Coast, but of Civics with a Q. And we're all anxious to hear what some of the numbers are like since last we talked. Numbers still coming in on this historic election. The founder is here with us, the man for whom the website and this weekly segment is named Marcos Melissus. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. Man, um, I had a guest from um, California on last night, and they said that California's COVID numbers are going back up. Are you hearing that? Is that true in your area? I I think they're going up everywhere. Um, Not in my little bubble. I mean, I I think things are pretty stable here up in the Bay Area. Um, Rural... California, you know, all those, all those anti-mask conservative types, I mean, they're, they're about to go down hard. And it's absolutely so incredibly avoidable. It's, it's unbelievable. And they had convinced themselves that this was, one, this was just like an election ploy, right? I don't know if you say that COVID will disappear the day after the election, right? Because they think it, it was like the Honduran caravan or Hunter Biden's laptop, like some manufactured political uh, scheme. And and keep in mind that the counties that are most affected by COVID right now had the best numbers for Donald Trump. And I don't think that's unrelated. I mean, these are people that have denied the existence of COVID, have denied that it is the 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 uh, seriousness of the disease. And uh, to this day, continue to refuse to wear masks. So I think they're, they're definitely going up in rural. And they, LA has always been a sort of, uh, they've had a hard time getting a handle on it, you know. Young guys want to go out and party and do stupid things. And I, I'm sure Halloween was a big um, super spreader date with people going out, to, young people going out to parties. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm just really terrified about what Thanksgiving is going to look like and what Christmas is going to look like because people are, they seem to be fed up and, and they think that... Um, they can go back to acting like normal, not realizing that we are now in a worse p- place than we were when New York was fi- under fire. 
And New York didn't have the benefit of the knowledge that we have today. I mean, can you imagine if in February everybody was wearing masks? I mean, New Yorkers aren't stupid. They would have worn those masks just like they are today. Right. And just like the barrier is. Um, Folks, don't make this Thanksgiving and this Christmas your last. It's, uh, That's the point. Right. Oh, I got to see my family. Do you want to see them next year? Right. Right. I'm saying, right. And trust me, the holidays are my time to travel. I get out of New York, get rid of the cabin fever and go see my loved ones. But because I love my loved ones, <laughs> right. love loved ones, that kind of goes with loved ones. I'm not going to go see them and, and risk me getting sick or them getting sick. You know, you never be able to live with yourself. So that's a good point. Marcos, you were crazy. I cannot believe you just said Honduran caravan and Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> like, I forgot all about that crazy caravan, man. <laughs> they... I'm not kidding. They thought that COVID was some kind of election ploy, which makes me think, do they know that they're full of crap when they're talking about Hunter Biden's laptop or the Honduran caravan? They they must know because they just said, oh, this is going to go away the day after the election. And I wish it was going away. Is projection, man. You know, they do that kind of crap. You know, the thing I love about Marcus, y'all, he always reminds us when you forget it, because this news cycle is so frequent, you forget things. He reminds us of MS-13, the Hadur Caravan, all the crazy stuff <laughs> that they do. So, no, it's it's crazy. But wait a minute. Did I hear you? Is it so it's a fact that those with the highest, did I understand you, the yes. high, those counties with the highest COVID rates voted yeah. for Trump? Yeah. See. I mean, you're talking about Iowa, you're talking about Ohio, you're talking about the Dakotas, you're talking about rural Kansas. I mean, it, these are places that are on fire and, and they also happen also to be the highest prevalence of, of, uh, of um, meth. I mean, this, you know, opioid addiction. So there is correlation between the higher the rates of opiate, uh, opioid addiction, the higher Donald Trump's numbers in 2016 and i don't see any reason why it would be any different this year because we just saw a magnification of that geographic split between rural and, and urban america um you know you've you've and i know in your latest piece and we touched on this last week about how cultural things are when people vote yeah and we get that and the whole hidden deplorable but what is cultural i still don't get about COVID. That, that's I mean, you can Donald be Trump. He decided early on and he knew. Well, now we know because he talked about Woodward. Right. We he knew and he didn't care. He decided to turn it into a culture war. Had he from the beginning said everybody wear masks. Who would, I mean, yeah, you'd have some cranks, you know, like the anti-vaxxers and stuff. Right. There's always like that subset of America. Right. But it would not be a culture battle issue right now. And a lot more people would be alive. And one of the funny things is that we're, we're learning that COVID maybe didn't have as much of an effect in the election results in the end. We're still having data streaming in. So right. maybe it wouldn't have helped him politically, but it definitely wouldn't have hurt him to take away a talking point like quarter million Americans had died because of Trump. And, uh, and maybe it did have an effect in those suburban you know, uh, counties that were so devastating to Trump's final margins in, in all the critical states. Mm -hmm. um, are we able to, I mean, it's still too early to get 
or is it even possible since there were so many mail ballots, uh-huh. more accurate information on the demographics this go around? I'm seeing some, but I don't really know what is accurate and what to trust because trust nothing yet now. So here's what's going to happen is, is, is you have the exit polls, but the exit poll is just a poll. Right. So what happens traditionally is that once you have a more information on who actually has turned out and how they voted, then they'll match the the uh, the exit polls to that data. And that data is going to come from a couple of places. One is that you have these these um, uh, data shops that actually know who voted and can model those that that vote can say, OK, you know, the, you know, given where the votes came from and who on the voter list voted, and everybody on the voter list is modeled out. So they have a pretty good idea how any single individual in a voter list will vote. So for example, if the voter list indicates that somebody's a black female, then yeah, you know, you're like 96% she's a Democrat. And if it's a white, uh, older male, you're like, yeah, okay, 80%, he's a Republican. So you take those models, and then you can sort of model out, say, okay, it was 55% of women that voted, and the exit poll says it's 52, so let's adjust that. And so they're going to make those adjustments based on that. Then even better is that their census will do a survey. They do these annual surveys, and they ask some electoral-related questions. Did you vote? They don't ask who you voted for, but did I don't think they ask who you voted for, but they'll ask demographic data of who voted. Did you vote? And then we have an idea that, okay, it's, it's 37% of young people voted or 45% of XYZ voted, right? Then you have that sort of rich data set that people can sort of put together and you can now spit out numbers that say, okay, now we know conclusively that in Florida, Trump got 45% of the Latino vote, right? We'll be able to get those, but that's still not probably until next year. So everything you're seeing right now is incredibly preliminary and it's very survey based. And if we learned something this year is that Surveys aren't quite right. <laughs> not when Donald Trump is on the ballot. Other times, sure. But not when Donald Trump is on the ballot, things get hinky. And then that creates some issues. And so we need to wait for these additional data sets to come in so we have a better idea. Before people start saying, oh, this percent of white women voted for, for Trump. Right, right. Maybe. Maybe. But we don't know quite to what extent yeah. yet. Yeah, because the only thing I'm not really doubtful about is is the numbers of black men, which we know probably went up because we know how they were targeted. But yeah. the whole 55 percent of white women, to me, that betrays suburban white women in 2018. There's even some exit poll that says 30 percent LGBTs voted for Trump. And I find that very hard yeah. to believe. So, yeah. To- and also also um, when you're looking at. um um, yeah, no, I mean, it just comes down to it's a little, little early. We don't quite know. We know, we do know that that white women in the suburbs stuck with the Democrats just because we saw the vote. So there is a universe where 55% of white women voted um, for Trump. It would mean that he got more white women in those rural districts in places like North Dakota and <laughs> Kansas to offset the gains that Democrats made with white women in the suburbs. So there is the possibility is there that that actually happened. But again, you know, we're going to have to wait for further granularity to really make those determinations 
Uh, and that's still months away. I want to stay on white women in the suburbs for a minute, specifically Georgia. Do we know how white women in the suburbs treated us in Georgia? Because I'm thinking about January now. Yeah, uh, we don't. And there are no state level exit polls released as of yet. And thank God, because I think they, the national ones are problematic enough. This would be extra difficult. What we do know, this is kind of amazing. Georgia is freaking amazing. Donald Trump, between 2016 and 2020, he turned out 350,000 more people. 350,000 more Georgians voted for Donald Trump than did for, uh, uh, in 2020 than they did in 2016. Of course, Democrats won the state and they'd lost it by over five points in 2016. So what happened is that Georgia Democrats led by Stacey Abrams and an army of volunteers and organizations and groups working towards this, they turned out over 500,000 more Democrats. So overall, you're looking at almost 850,000, close to 900,000 more Georgians voted in 2020 than did in 2016. And we outdrew 500 to 350. Now, where did those gains come? Obviously, they came from Metro Atlanta, uh, Savannah, uh, and some of the college towns. And in Metro Atlanta, Democrats made huge gains in the suburbs. And not only did they make gains over 2016, they made gains over 2018. And now, Mark, you probably know that the, 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 Atlanta suburbs aren't all white, right? There is increased okay. diversification of the suburbs. You know, there's there's everything in the suburbs. And this is something that Trump never quite understood, right? That the suburbs aren't just white. <laughs> so it could mean it could mean that just basically more black people have moved into those suburbs. But I, I, I suspect that it that just, there is that realignment with college educated white women is continuing, boosted by demographic changes in those suburbs. And it created a, a trend that um that it's continuing to move in our direction. It didn't stop in 2018. It's actually ongoing. And this bodes really well, particularly for Stacey Abrams, right? Because she is running for governor in 2022. I know everybody's like, she should run for DNC and she should be on the cabinet. Maybe. She wants to be governor. It's the reason she did not run for Senate in 2018. Uh, sorry, she didn't run for Senate this year. Um, and she would have won, I think, off just, she would have won off the top. But um, she has been working towards helping shift Georgia into being more reflective of its population, right? We're not even talking about um, trying to convince people. We're not doing persuasion. We're just trying to, she's just been working on getting Black uh, Georgians registered to vote. And, and Mark, I, I never forget, like 10 years ago, I was I was going like, Georgia is, is, is a democratic state. If we could vote at the rates, uh, it's demographically a blue state. It votes like a red state, but it's demographically a blue state. And at the time, we were talking about, about 750,000 unregistered African-Americans in metro Atlanta alone. Now, clearly, Stacey Abrams and everybody else, the Democratic Party and allied organizations and volunteers, they really helped uh, reverse it. So just to, just to emphasize how amazing that is, 350,000 more people voted for Donald Trump in Georgia than did in 2016, and yet Democrats took it because over half a million Georgians voted for the Democratic, uh, for Joe Biden. Now, do we keep him in January? That's a big question. Right, that's what I was gonna ask you, yeah. 
Hey, peeps. It's your girl, Danielle Moody, host of Woke AF Daily. Every weekday, I'm sounding the alarm and keeping you woke to all the pure evil that is going on in our country. Check me out now at patreon.com slash woke AF. Get five new shows every week for just $5 a month. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. People that I'm talking to are feeling very confident that we do. That we do keep them. And as much as people don't get into special elections because these stakes are so extraordinary, two senators, control of the Senate. And I was talking to someone else today and, and we were agreeing it actually might be helpful that it's so soon after November 3rd. So it doesn't leave a lot of room for folks to get distracted and to hold something else. I mean, so you can't even that's the you're thinking about it right now. People are already thinking about it. And, you know, mail and ballots, I think, are going out next week, as early as next week. So I, I think that may even help for it to stay front of mind. I think Stacey did the best thing for herself and maybe for Georgia. She knew she had to rebuild Georgia. And I think Stacey literally and really wants to be the governor. There's some oh, yeah. no that in office, I mean, that would be as historic or if not more historic than a, than a black president. Or black senator, when we start taking over governor's mansions in the old Confederacy, remember how big Doug Wilder was? I mean, the world stopped with Doug Wilder, and we thought we had hit our ceiling <laughs> of achievement. Yeah. We were, you know, so I admire her for for her discipline. You know, rather be honest, I don't admire Beto because Beto is a different story. He wasn't trying to be governor. Beto could have run, and I'm, I don't mean I don't admire Beto, but he, I think he could have beat John Cornyn. From what yeah. we see, and that's not taking anything away for MJ. Yeah, it, she was great, but when you're dealing with nobody knew what she was, yeah, you know, what I think a lot of people don't realize people come to me all the time, I want to run. And I said, Look, one thing I know I've learned the name and the right name recognition is so so important. And if you're not there yet, you know, there's 50 people about to run for mayor of New York, but guess yeah. what, Marcos and good people, Maya Wiley, Sean Donovan, who was in. Obama's administration, all good people and friends. But what's the one name that everybody knows on the ballot in New York? Scott Stringer, because he's been the comptroller for eight years. Mm. That's just, you see what I'm saying? So that's yep. just the, <laughs> that's the thing. So I'm hearing that people are feeling confident um, about Georgia. It's, it, here's, I'll say this, this paradox, though. So just this morning, I'm learning about the attacks on Warnock. So Kelly Loeffler is tweeting that he's anti-Semitic All right. because he's friends with Jeremiah Wright. Um, Marco Rubio was tweeting he was an event, an event for Fidel Castro in New York years ago. Like a lot of African-American clergy are and were, you know, before you know what they're having with Farrakhan. Mm-hmm. But the irony is, guess what's happening in D.C. this weekend? The Million MAGA March. Now, where, they, where the name even come from? So you can expropriate a name like the Million MAGA March and yet come after Warnock for being an African-American pastor involved with all the different elements of his community. You took a look at defund the police, which has opened up a wound um, amongst progressives, Democrats, everybody on the left, nationalists, pan-Africanists. And we, everybody's debating now. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm like, forget it, y'all. Defund the police. 
we should have said it. We shouldn't have said it. We have to say it. You 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 wrote in your latest though. You think it was a net neutral. Yeah. Um, again, early information. I always caveat that, right? But um, by all indications, youth turnout was up by you know over fifty percent. I mean, it was it was historically high youth turnout. We do not win Michigan, Pennsylvania, Atlanta, uh, Arizona. Wisconsin without that boosted youth turnout and what motivated that youth turnout, right? I think a lot of that was this protest, this justice movement. So uh, I think in that regard, um, we know that those protests were used to register people to vote, to message them on, on the importance of voting. So it's clear to me that the justice movement, the Black Lives, Ladder, uh, Black, Black Lives Matter movement was a positive in boosting youth turnout. Now, did it turn off certain people? Well, certainly it created, um, it, it gave Republicans um, a reason to sort of lock down maybe some of their more iffy white vote out in the exurbs and in rural areas. Uh, it probably did cost us in places like Montana and Kansas, where, which were long shot Senate races and we needed everything to fall perfectly. So I, I don't, you I don't think you say, okay, had we just, if, if the activists had come up with a more milk-and-toast term for the movement instead of defund police, maybe, oh, reform police, would that have changed things? Uh, maybe, but, you know, it, it's it's all in a, you can't talk about a protest movement in a vacuum, right? It's just, it's what the emotions of the moment um, generated, and I think it delivered, it helped deliver the White House to us did it cost us in other places? I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Mark, there was, a, there was a great um, thread on Twitter yesterday uh, from a, um, a guy who does focus groups. And so he did a focus group of undecided voters who voted for Trump in the end. And he doesn't say where it's at, right? But it's a bunch of white people. And on issue to issue, I mean, these are like the dumbest of the dumbest, right? I mean, I'm not even kidding how dumb they are. He asked, he asked some you know, do, do any of them regret their vote, right? Not a, I don't know, 12 of them, uh, five of them would change their votes, but one of them wouldn't change their votes to Biden because Biden won. I mean, I mean, it was like the dumbest things possible. These people are still undecided <laughs> a week after they voted. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. He asked them about Black Lives Matter and that really resonated with this crew, right? A bunch of white people. Um, and then he said, well, Defund police doesn't mean eliminate police. It means to, um, you know, shift resources. And then they actually got angry. It's like, don't tell me what it means. I know what it means, right? But here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Later on in the focus group, he asked them, what would you guys think about shifting some of the police budget to social workers so they could do nonviolent intervention? 70% agreed with it. So they agree with what it means that the branding pisses them off. Dude. So this is this is now had there been a protest movement based on what focus group testing and message testing would we have what we had? No. Will we have that spontaneous eruption of of support for the black community? No. Right? It is what it is. And so you can sit there and say, well, I mean, you had uh, you had one moderate Democrat say that I don't want to hear any Democrats talk about defund police. No Democrats talked about defund police. It wasn't. I mean, 
maybe AOC and uh, and Omar, but it wasn't in the messaging. It wasn't in the advertising. It, I mean, Republicans are the ones that amplified it, and they're gonna make stuff up anyway, right? So, um, I mean, right now we're seeing what uh, that Warnock is an enemy of Israel. I mean, that's that's what Republicans are gonna allege. So they're gonna make up stuff anyway. Yet in this case, that that seed, you know, this. Democrats want to eliminate police. That was that was the sort of implied lie. Um, where that came from, the protest movement actually generated the highest percentage of youth turnout. And I think in the when we look at the numbers in the end, we're going to see the same thing for black turnout and Latino turnout. Yeah. And it generated the biggest uh, growth in turnout with those communities in American history. Do I make that trade? I think I do. Uh, and I definitely... It was on the side, you know, on a moral side, it was the right thing to do. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it, it's it's a bit of a pedantic <laughs> debate. Um, youth art activists are going to do their movement, right? They're gonna they're gonna fight the way they're gonna use the words that they think motivates them. They're gonna they're gonna find their voice, and they have a bunch of old white Democrats be like, "Yeah, this I think it's a bad look." Well, and even if defund the police was a, a phrase that was never coined, you're right. There are always going to be those people who are going to complain and say it's either too left or too black or something. There's somebody who would have said something for people to blame it on, um, even if it wasn't defund. That's happened. When has that not happened? You know, yeah. last time it was just, just the word socialism. Now it's defund. It's always going to be something and i think people make a make a big deal about it um when they probably shouldn't and again the irony in that is it was the movement it wasn't you're right democratic candidates weren't saying it so it's kind of interesting that the 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 democrats who are against it are subtly co-opting the movement which is interesting (laughs) it's like well you this this hurt us as Democrat, but Democrats didn't say it. The movement said it. So are you saying that you're a part of the movement and you so <laughs> it's, it's yeah, kind of a, a strange. And, and here's the key is that Democratic performance in suburbs continued to increase. So it really did not turn off those suburban white women, which was actually, I think, a lot of the focus of that of those attacks were to try to grab back those suburban voters. And in that regard, it failed. Democrats, again, everything's early right now, but by all early indications, Democrats made big gains, continued gains in suburban America. Um, The other factor, and I think this is going to be important moving forward, is that Republicans, by all indications, have maxed out their white vote. Like they squeezed out every last drop they could Mm. um, in those rural counties. I mean, you're, you're getting close to max turnout in those counties. We still have a lot of low-hanging fruit in urban uh, and even some suburban areas. There's a lot of room for Democrats to grow, to continue doing the sort of voter registration that they're doing. And so that's that's um, that's a big factor. And then the other one, and this is sort of relevant to, to Atlanta and Georgia and you being, you, you know, you're talking to people being optimistic. I'm optimistic just because we won. I mean, if we are able to keep the same people to turn out again, we're going to win. So the the question is, um, will there be drop off? And there will be drop off. There is always drop off. So the real the, the this is all gonna gonna the, the the big deciding factor is who has less 
drop off. And Mark, we talked about it last week, and I've been continuing to formulate my theory about the the hidden deplorable, which is these people that only turn out for Donald Trump. And and one of my big sort of pieces of evidence for that is that polls were accurate in 2018. They were accurate in 2014, not so accurate in, in 16 and 20. And what was the difference is that Donald Trump was on the ballot and he got out these, these sort of angry, truly deplorable people who are disenfranchised from like American society, right? They come from meth country. They don't trust any institutions. After you, I'm not going to wear a mask. Uh, I'm going to, you know, these are the people trying to drive a Biden campaign bus off the road in Texas. Uh, they're not going to sit and talk to a pollster. They're going to get that pollster the middle finger, right? They're not going to join the civics panel. So you can't even model these people because they're different than your typical white Republican who um, may be an a-hole, but isn't a destructive a-hole. And the reason these people are drawn to Donald Trump is because Donald Trump is destructive. He is, uh, um, and, and you know, I was talking to Dave Weigel from the Washington Post. He's a, he's a campaign reporter yesterday. And he reminded me that, that Kelly Loeffler got into the runoff in Georgia because of an ad where she compared herself to Genghis Khan, right? She's, She's as conservative as Genghis Khan. What civilization did Genghis Khan build? <laughs> what monuments to, did, did the Genghis, the Mongolian civilization build to Genghis Khan, right? No, right. he destroyed. And that's what the Q people are. That's what Donald Trump is. These are people that are tearing down American institutions, tearing down the media, tearing down the CDC, tearing down anybody who doesn't support Trump. And that's what these deplorables are attracted to, destruction, right? They want to shoot stuff up. They don't want to build things. They want to destroy, they want to blow them up. So will they turn out in January in Georgia without Donald Trump on the ballot? Now, we have to assume they will, right? We have to work to make sure we get every one of our votes out. So this is not a prediction. By any stretch, I am I'm assuming they're going to turn out, but it'll be very interesting after the fact. Those extra three hundred fifty thousand people that he turned out, will they turn out again for Kelly Loeffler and and and, and Purdue? I mean, two of the most milquetoast establishment hoity-toity Republicans that you can that you can dig up, and. Um, it, I think it's going to be difficult. And I think this is why Mitch McConnell is still humoring Donald Trump is because any hint that any, any of them are turning against Trump and then, um, and then Trump will sabotage those elections because Trump doesn't care about the Senate races in Georgia. Um, and in the end, I don't even think he's going to help. Like Trump doesn't give a shit. You know, he doesn't give a damn. So I don't think he's going to even bother to show up and help. But um, that is going to be sort of if my theory is true and those people don't turn out, then the Republicans are in trouble because even with all the, the fun police and all that crap that really motivated that hidden deplorable, if those disappear with Trump off the ballot, that um, then 2022 looks a lot better for Democrats. Again, I'm not assuming it. Right, 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 right. I'm not even expecting it. Right. I'm hoping. Kelly Loeffler got, if I'm not mistaken, got under 30 percent 
in that jungle primary. I think mm -hmm. you're right about that. That's not good. It's a jungle primary. You know, it, it was it was it, it's weird. So the there's a Democrat on that ballot that got uh, five percent of the vote. Right. She she didn't spend any money. She didn't she didn't campaign. There's there's just she didn't exist. Right. You know why she got five percent? She was the first one on the ballot line with Democrat on it. So five percent of Democrats didn't even know to like look for because there was you know two Democrats that really spent any time campaigning. It was Warnock and Lieberman, yeah. and they they just so it, it's a weird ballot. And you had you had twenty two names on it, and I think if you weren't really following, paying close attention, it's not like Joe Biden. It's an easy one, right? I mean, you see a thousand names, and you're like, uh, what's a little scarier is that John Ossoff ran behind Joe Biden by by two points. Mm. And so the Purdue plus the libertarian candidates um, yeah. would have been 50%. So that's a, a bigger gap. Of course, it's going to be a slightly diff different electorate. Oops, sorry. It's going to be a slightly different electorate. And um, I think a lot of people who maybe just showed up to vote for Biden just didn't pay attention. They didn't know anybody else was on the ballot. I fully expect an all hands on deck moment in Georgia. You're going to have probably Biden out there and Harris and Obama and uh, Stacey, of course. She's probably out there every day anyway. So you're going to have a lot of attention, a lot of focus on, on educating people about the, the runoff and the fact that we have two candidates. So uh, there will be some drop off. They're going to have some drop off, too. It just happens. It's it's inevitable. Question is, who has less drop off? And I'm really, really hoping that those deplorables stay home. Yeah. But but lastly, do, do does Trump know what you know about the deplorables? And that's why we're hearing that part of the strategy of prolonging concession and not leaving the White House is to keep that base engaged so that he can run in 2024 and raise money, obviously. Oh, well, he's got to keep the grift going. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. You keep hearing about. 2024 Republicans and trying to keep in Trump's good graces, right? Because they, they want to, they want his endorsement or at least not his opposition. They're all suckers, right? Because they don't have the last name Trump. So if Trump senior doesn't run, assuming he's alive and not in jail, which are not, which are, <laughs> I, I think both are, are, uh, are questionable. Um, Right. He's going to he's going to go. He's going to put I mean, they're going to they're going to have to decide between Ivanka and uh, and Don Jr. Right. I mean, he's not going to want somebody else. That's not his family. He's his loyalties are his really it's Ivanka, you know, and, and poor Don and Eric, you know, desperate to get a hug from dad. They don't get any. Um, that's all that he's going to be loyal to. And he doesn't care about these Republicans. He doesn't care about the party. And you're even seeing that in 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 a lot of the, the tweets that are coming out of that Trump family, right? Attacking other Republicans, uh, attacking the party. And there is zero, zero loyalty. And this is this is what I think, uh, uh, um, you know, McConnell's challenge is he, he wants to be able to keep that Trump support, but I, I just don't know if it sticks around. And keep in mind, they did not turn out in 18 or 19 when Trump was president and actively campaigning 
for Republicans around the country. It did not matter. Democrats won easily. Not only did they win easily, but they won governorships in Kentucky and Louisiana, even though Trump campaigned in both two states saying, don't make me look bad. Good point. Good point. So I actually think he has to be on the ballot. Yeah. It's not even enough for him to tweet support or to campaign. He has to be on the ballot because those people just want to destroy. And they're really going to turn out for Kerry Loeffler and David Perdue. So, again, <laughs> I'm not predicting that. Right, right, right. We need every one of our voters to turn back out because we're going to assume every one of theirs is going to turn out. But I think it's harder for them to keep that vote than it is for us. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. The grift, y'all. Got to keep it going. All good points. Uh, up with meth, down with masks <laughs> in some of these states. Lord have mercy. Um, and Marcos also said he may either be alive or in jail. I mean, again, and I've talked to I got. I know a few rich white friends. You know, and I talked to them. I said, do y'all get away with this kind of stuff? First of all, do you get uh, almost million dollar tax refund? And are you do you get five hundred million dollar lines of credit? And he's like, no, Mark, you know, we want to know his accountant because we none of us understand that. And then, I mean, most of us, neither Marcos nor myself, nor most of you listening, eat are, are living off of five Big Macs a day without going to the hospital. So this guy just, we'd all love to do that, but we can't because we died. So <laughs> sooner or later, this stuff is going to catch up. It just, it's just it has to. It has to. And then he'll be almost 80. Yeah. In, in, in four years. So he would win the primary, though, and he would be difficult to beat. I think if there's anything that maybe comes out of this, the, this last week, I think it's a newfound appreciation for Hillary Clinton. Because this whole old conventional wisdom was that she lost to the worst presidential candidate in history. I actually think that Trump may be one of the best candidates in history. Horrid at governing campaigning, but his ability to turn out people that don't vote by tickling that racist part of their lizard brain is unparalleled, I think, unparalleled in modern American history. And, and so the fact that Hillary came that close to beating him, beating him um, I think is a testament that maybe she wasn't as bad as people claimed that she was. Mm, mm. Interesting point. Uh, folks, follow Marcos on Twitter and at Daily Coast, of course, follow his latest. Uh, and then The Brief airs on Tuesdays. Yeah, I have a YouTube show uh, at the Daily Coast YouTube um, homepage. You guys can catch my show there. Try to have fun with that, Mark. I didn't think I'd like video, but it's getting to be a little more fun. Yeah, it is, it's a great show. It's fun. We have fun. So yeah, we do have fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right folks, mask up. Don't mess up. All right. <laughs> Good advice for rural America. Yeah, you know, and y'all just be careful. I mean, I, they're folk. I'm, I'm longing to see. But oh, it's, it's gonna not, be ugly. The just Thanksgiving. Stay just stay home, chill. Yeah, the, the you know the crown is coming back on Netflix. Just stay home and look at that, and <laughs> stay safe, <laughs> and you'll be all right. Thanks, Marcos. Talk Thanks. to you. All right. All Talk right. To you next week. Bye bye. Right. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, 
And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.